Hi, this is Amber, and welcome to today's podcast. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. I'm a Reiki master teacher, shamanic practitioner, and energy healer, and I've been running my own healing practice since 2007. The website is sacredspacehealing.org. So if you head over to the website, you'll get a lot more information about what I do. I offer uh, programs on core wound healing, life purpose, abundance, sacred union, as well as one-to-one coaching and healing calls. There's also meditations there that you can listen to and download. There's a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to if you feel so called. Um, And there's some other offerings that might assist you. So head over to the website sacredspacehealing.org. If you want to support the podcast channel or the YouTube channel, everything is free on it, then you can make a donation and the donations button is on the homepage. Just click the drop-down menu and donate as much or as little as you feel called to. Um, As I say in quite a few podcasts, um, I'm not affiliated to any organisation. I'm not, you know, I don't have a boss. I'm not running um, a paid partnership with anyone. So I'm just an individual making my way in the world. And I feel that um, at this time, the individual making their way in the world, as well as our creative organisations, are those that have been the worst hit and the ones that we really do need to support the most if we can in any way possible. You can also support by um, sharing this podcast channel with friends and family and on social media. Okay, so today I'd like to shine a light on this idea that we're all in this together right now. Um, This is recorded December 2020 and obviously there's a huge amount going on in the world and I remember... Uh, Early on, when lockdown, the first lockdown happened, um, being on social media quite a lot because it was a way to connect with friends and just the world, really. Um, And I came across a video, I'm not going to name names, of someone very famous and very wealthy and very well-known and very well-respected. And they were in their garden. And you could tell that it was a really big garden. You could see, you know, loads of landscape behind them. It was a lovely sunny day. And they recorded a message about um, the arts and how terrible it was that everything had closed down. And so they were saying, oh, this is awful, I can't believe it, I can't believe that, you know, theatres have closed and production companies have closed down, this is so sad, Um, it's terrifying, you know, we're all in this together, we're all terrified, I am terrified, about when I'm going to get my next job. And I actually laughed, I thought, is this a parody, like, is this person for real? Because we're not all in the same boat at all. You know, this individual has millions of pounds by probably their own admission. Anyone can tell you. You could Google them and you'd find out that information, right? They have millions of pounds, if not more, in their bank account. They live in a massive house with a massive garden. They have a flourishing career that has spanned decades. There is no way they will never work again. And as we had seen in the arts industry, you know, our names haven't stopped working. So it doesn't matter that there's been lockdown, that we've been in tier one, two, or three, the people that are famous, you know, our named celebrities have not stopped working. What, where, where it has affected people within the entertainment industry is your average Joe, right? Your jobbing actor who just goes from job to job. They have struggled because they don't have millions in the bank or famous parents or um, PR agencies that manage their profile. So when I saw that, I just thought it was the most inane thing and I wondered is anyone buying into this that we're all in this together and so 
I shine a light on it because I think it's um, it's a sort of bypassing in many ways, but it's also a sort of programming that we keep being told we're all in this together, right? And so it perpetuates this belief that that's true, that we're all having uh, this struggle, that we're all being denied things that make us happy and so forth. And I think on some level there is some truth to that, but on a lot of levels that's just completely inaccurate. So this famous person in their big garden, uh, sitting very comfortably with lots of money in the bank and obviously work lined up for when the industry opens up, work lined up probably for the next five, ten years, is not in the same position as the single mother who's lost her cleaning job because of lockdown and has three kids that she needs to feed and clothe and homeschool now because schools are closed, living in a council estate or, you know, a, a housing benefit property somewhere, um, with mould on the walls because she can't afford to pay the heating bills and some kind of underlying medical condition that she can't afford to treat, just keeping her head above water. And you might think, oh, that's quite a depressing scenario that you're painting, but it's not. More and more people are using food banks, more and more people are losing their homes, more and more people are sleeping on the streets, more and more people are committing suicide. And I think one of the reasons, that's why I want to shine a light on this, that this sort of massive division is happening is because we're being fed this sort of predictive programming, this sort of um, programming, really, that we're all in this together, we're all going through the same experience, and we're not. So for some people, lockdown and these restrictions doesn't affect them. Like, if you live in a massive house somewhere in the hills or the mountains, you've got no uh, masts around you, you've got no kind of electromagnetic smog, you've got your own cinema, your own swimming pool, your own gym... Um, incredible views, you have people who come and massage you and cook amazingly nutritious foods for you, Um, you have private jets and private cars, you have the most up-to-date solar technology for heating and for cooling your property, Um, if you're ill you have the best access to the best professionals in the world who can treat you immediately. Your experience of lockdown possibly is boredom, You know, maybe you're like, oh, I quite miss traveling or I really wish I was doing that job or that project. Or maybe it's very productive because you get to work on that book or you're still talking to whoever. You've still got work lined up or your company is still paying for you to work from home. But your experience, that individual's experience, is not the same as the person who now finds themselves without a home, staying in hostels or, you know, queuing outside food banks. Or the individual who's just really struggling because... You know, maybe they're sort of middle of the road. They're not in a council estate. They're not sick. They're not on benefits. But they're they're really struggling to look after their family or look after a loved one who's sick or pay their debts or whatever. Right? All of these um, experiences are very different. I think when we're told we're all in it together, we have this assumption that um, everyone is experiencing what we're experiencing. And therefore... Um, Everyone should be reacting and responding in the same way. And that's just not how this is playing out right now. And I think we need to 
one of the wonderful things about human beings and community is that when you're out in community and you're having conversations, you get to learn more about other people's experiences and it brings out compassion and it means that you reach out and you do more charity work and you learn more and you grow more and you get triggered and you heal and so forth. But if we're all in our little bubbles or we're all sat at home with our eyes glued to a screen, we're not having that. And of course, the thing about online is that you get to choose the experience you want to have. I remember saying quite recently, I mean, I think what's happening to theatre is really sad. And my hope is that we won't just see musicals when things open again, but of course they're big money. Um, But what I love about theatre and art and live performance is that I get to choose the narrative. So when I go to the theatre, I often don't watch what's happening in the spotlight. I kind of look over to the other side of the stage where someone isn't speaking, someone's in the shadows, um, you know, the, the person that doesn't have a spotlight on them, the person that's just kind of silently in the moment, that's what really excites me. And even when that's not happening, I'll be looking at the lights or I'll be looking at something else. Not because I don't respect the work that's happening in front of me, but I'm just really intrigued by what happens if I take my lens and put it somewhere else. But when you're watching stuff online, you don't have that control over the narrative. You are fed a narrative. You know, everything's edited, cut away, close-ups. You are told which direction um, to take your emotions in, your thought processes in. But the beautiful thing about live performance, art and music and dance and theatre, is that you get to choose. So it's a unique uh, unique experience for each individual. And that's really important. And we're being homogenised to all have the same experience. So if we all go online and watch a show now, a dance show or theatre or musical or whatever, we're now all having the same experience because we have to see what we're being shown. But if you went to the theatre tomorrow, you went to um, a, a ballet or a, a classical dance um, performance tomorrow, you get to choose. You know, often I'm just like, if I go to, if I'm watching dance, you know, I'm just fixated on one dancer's feet or I'm looking at someone's arms or I love it because you're sort of taking in all these different tapestries and it becomes your unique experience and it is so important that we still understand that and start to create it in our lives if we're not having it every day. So the thing about being in our bubbles is it can make us really lacking in compassion. Um, You know it can do this thing of like my need is greater than everyone else's. Or, you know, if I'm going through this, then I expect this in return. One of the things that we have with online demand now is that there is this sort of this addiction, this demand. I want healing now. I want a reading now. I want you to lead me. Because we're not, we're becoming more and more passive. You know, we're, we're becoming people that more and more want to click on a button and consume rather than go out there and do it and make stuff happen. And lockdowns and tears mean that we are physically being restricted from making stuff happen right all we can really do is be quite passive I mean yes we can go online and create stuff but to actually go out in the world and make something happen physically is something that we need our bodies need and mentally and spiritually we need that also so I sometimes see with people you know you you kind of set them a ritual or you um you 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 book an appointment or something, and certain individuals will always have a reason why they can't do it. Oh, I can't do it because of this, or, oh, that's a really busy week for me, or that. And what you're looking to hear is, 
that's tricky, but I'm going to make it work. Because that's what creates change in the world. And I think with everything going online and everything becoming so accessible, we're losing that. Because, you know, if you think about the online experience, you click on a button and it doesn't load or it doesn't download or the button doesn't work. You go, oh, well, I'll just go to the next site. It doesn't matter because I can watch that on the next site or I can go to the next whatever. So we've become like that. We're becoming more and more like that rather than, no, 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 I'm going to make this work. Um, I had someone say to me recently, uh, well, it was a while back that they were, I think they found out that one of the buttons on my website wasn't working or something. Anyway, not to go into too much detail, but they were using that to try and get a discount from me from for the reading, which I just, it, listen, this is not how to live our lives, right? We cannot be like this. We're losing our humanity. So the reason I shine a light on um, are we all in this together is to say we're not all in this together. And to say that, you know, if you listening to this are privileged, as in you've got a roof over your head and a garden and, you know, money in the bank and you don't have to worry, then take some time to reach out to your community and help those that are not having that experience because they are not having the same experience as you. And I think this is what people are forgetting. I have, I know people who are teachers and they're working from home and it's stressful and they're at home all day and they're in front of their laptops and they're stressed about that, but they're not understanding that they are getting paid to work from home. Whereas a huge majority of people are not getting paid to sit at home. So they believe that their experience is traumatic and difficult and horrible, and in lots of ways it is, but it's not everyone's experience. So they literally cannot relate to someone else's experience, which is, I don't have any work, or I've lost my home, or we can't get any health care. But we have to be able to relate to these experiences and get out of our bubbles. Um, so I would say if you have privilege of any kind, it is our moral duty to help others in whatever way, financially, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. It is our moral duty right now. One of the really beautiful things about lockdown when it started, I felt here in the UK, was that we came together as a community. People were doing really lovely things like shopping for their neighbours and it was just really lovely. Cars and traffic was off the road. We all slowed down a bit. We cooked nicer food. We tended to our pot plants or our gardens or whatever. I saw on social media one woman was saying that she had a garden and if anyone who lived nearby didn't have a garden and they wanted to come and just lie in the sun for a bit, she was opening up a place. I mean, how beautiful. Because really think about it. Think about people who live in high-rise buildings. They don't have a balcony, they don't have a garden, they don't have access to greenery. Think about them stuck in their flats. Maybe it's a flat, maybe it's a studio, maybe it's one room. Think about them... And what that's been like for the last however many months, if you are in a position of privilege. And how do I define privilege? I define privilege as, you know, you've got a, a nice bedroom, kitchen, bathroom, um, living room. You've got an outside space. Your home is clean, it's safe, it's warm, um, it's secure. You can afford it. You have food in the fridge and you eat a meal. You know, you eat three meals every day. You can pay your phone bill, you can pay your electric, you can pay your bills. I define that as privilege because for so many people, they are not there at all. And I think if you have any of those things, it is your moral duty to look to see what other experiences people are having 
and to try and offload that because that is called community. So there was great beauty during, you know, March and lockdown and stuff. And then around about the time of the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement that came around in, I think it was May, everything shifted into a different gear. And what we've seen since then is a lot of polarisation and anger and them and us and competition and lack of community and lack of unity. And this is not how we heal the world, each other, society, community. It's part, in many ways, it's part of the healing process. But we can't get stuck there. So partly, you know, these, these um, issues that are coming up are asking us the same thing. They're saying we're not all having the same experience. And I think what has polarised people so much, and it's been quite difficult for people to understand, certain people to understand, is that not everyone has the same experience because the colour of your skin or your sexual orientation or a disability or your financial background all determine the experience that you have within the same environment. So two, two people could go to the same school and maybe it's a private school, maybe it's a state school, or two people could be in the same job, and one of them has a very different experience to the other. And it's based on their circumstances, not only their childhood and their, you know, who they are and all of that, but it's based on how they look, or it's based on their sexual orientation or the colour of their skin. And I think what people are finding hard to understand is that that can happen, but it does happen because it's happening right now. So how do we bring awareness to someone else's story? Because we've got to get out of this bubble. You know, suggestions are to not spend your time online watching box sets. I know it's tempting because it's pure escapism, but that's really just not kind of teaching you anything. You know, it's just more programming. Is to find ways to educate yourself about other people's experiences, whether you, um, you know, read an autobiography or read about different cultures or talk to people or watch documentaries maybe and ask questions be selective about who you're connecting with on social media get out in the world um it's really important we do that or we're going to get more and more polarized and of course when we get more and more polarized we go into more and more states of fear and then we give our power away so easily because we want to keep our little bubble intact we don't want to lose our house with the garden and you know thousands in the bank um, now we don't want to do that so what do I have to do to maintain my bubble because my bubble suits me but we're not thinking about other people a lot of people who have really fought for lockdowns um, are on furlough which means that they're getting paid by their businesses to work from home and as I've said you know most of these people have nice jobs they pay well so they have nice homes so really it's not that terrible to work from home it's actually quite nice and they get a pet they get a cat or a dog and yeah childcare might be a bit challenging um but it's actually quite nice they don't have to get on the trains in rush hour they don't have to travel for however many hours across town they don't have to sit in an office and a lot of these people of course then have the sort of space to say no 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 we must have lockdown because of you know health and safety and so forth but they're not looking at it from the perspective of others who are locked in their homes in a council estate somewhere with thumping music coming through the walls and mould on the walls and no money. They're not thinking about the self-employed individuals and the freelancers who 
um, are struggling month to month and now have no income coming in and no one supporting them. There are millions that have been denied um, support or unable to access support and are really, really struggling. Um, they're not thinking of those that have disabilities, mental health issues, that desperately need to, to access those services. Um, they're not thinking of those that are vulnerable and are really on the edge and a lot of people have committed suicide during this period. They're, they're just going, but my bubble's really nice and I don't want to get sick, so maintain my bubble. But we have to think about how other people are being affected. We have to think about society as a greater whole because if we don't do that, what are we saying? We're saying that the only lives that are worth looking after and maintaining are those that have affluence, that are comfortable, and that if you are struggling and suffering somewhere in a council estate or a studio or you're a freelancer and you don't have much money, well, sorry, sod it, you should have lived a better life. Is that what we're saying? Because in many ways it seems like that's what the, the seeds of that seem to be percolating. And that's not a good direction for us to go in. It's not healthy. It's not healing. It's not spiritual. Um, it's not loving. Um, and it won't lead us anywhere good. So I urge you to start to broaden your view, to start to think of things from another, from another perspective. You know, someone, when someone asks me for a discount for a reading that takes me two hours um, based on a, a, a kind of technical glitch on my website that they then take advantage of by saying, oh, I've seen the technical glitch, can I get a discount now? They're not thinking of me as an individual, right? They're not going, but it takes Amber two hours to do that reading and she gives her time and her energy to it. Oh, and by the way, she's self-employed, she's a small business. No, 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 I should honour her. They're not thinking of that, they're thinking of their own bubble and their own needs. Um, and of course we all do that. Of course we do. But I use that example to say that we have to spend more time looking at things from someone else's perspective. Um, whoever that individual is, our neighbour, um, person we've never met on social media, uh, whoever they are. Um, because otherwise, it's a slippery slope. So, the website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Do check it out, see if anything calls to you. Until the next time, so it is, and so it shall be.